1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1 dot com.
2: Well, we're finally back from from America, and <laughs> as you can tell by our, our voices, it's been a hard weekend. And after the Attempt of a podcast, which was our rooftop podcast, me and Phil have decided to squirrel away down the Al-Qaeda type tunnel, which I've built, into the rugby dungeon and give it one last go. You okay, Phil? Uh,
3: I'm okay. I'm okay. Do, Do you feel better or worse than you did on Sunday night when we recorded the preliminary pod?
2: I feel worse because on Sunday night, I was on a rooftop in New York about to do other fun things. I'm now feeling thoroughly miserable.
3: (laughs) Yeah, me too. The uh, half dozen mimosas before the previous pod also helped, didn't they?
2: Yes, they absolutely do help. (laughs) Uh, But the two I've had just before this pod haven't helped, (laughs) so that's really weird. Right, hands in, pod on three. (sighs) One, two, three, pod. Pod. Hello and welcome to another Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. The podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Today we'll we'll be covering England, Wales, again, Scotland, the rest of Six Nations. We'll be talking about why Tim isn't here and what he's actually doing. Uh, and we'll cover and and we'll and we'll cover off a, a few other things to boot. But let's start now with some very, very sad news. Uh, when we landed today in the UK, uh we heard of the unfortunate passing of a bit of a club legend in Siru Rambini.
3: Yes, yeah. Leicester club legend, obviously Fiji legend. Played for Leeds for a few years as
2: well. Played for Gloucester as well. And Gloucester. Yeah. Um, Any defining memories for you, Phil? Uh, I
3: remember him just being an absolute nightmare in the premiership. Every team, when he was playing as a 13, and they would use him, kind of the way that um, England previously used Tyndall uh, and... England used uh, Manu Tuilagi, but as a, a direct runner, um, he was a nightmare to stop as a direct runner. But also his skills, his all-round skills, having played sevens for C- Fiji, uh, were surprising given his size. Let's say,
2: yeah, an absolute demon on both the wing and at thir- uh, and at thirteen. Probably the memory I have uh, of him, which I you know I feel most fondly about, was the Premiership final when him and Tualangi on either wing just destroyed Gloucester I think actually they destroyed him so much I think that might have been the key for Gloucester signing Carl Price and (laughs) Siru Rambini himself and uh, Vinicolo. yeah so he will be missed
3: 100% 100% and and it's always horrendous to hear but someone so young as well yeah 37
2: yeah very very young Right. Well, from uh, rather um, rather rather sad news to something else. Um, how was how it? How 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 can we say this? Um, oh, insen- insensitive gypsy Romany news now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the outcome of the England Wales game. Not just a devastating loss for Wales, but also um, a bit of a dev- devastating loss for England. Or so it might seem. Um, yes. Yeah, definitely. Why don't you just fill us in with a few of the details here? Well, um, there's two
3: sightings for Joe Marler. Mm-hmm. The first one... Uh, well, sorry. There's potentially two sightings at this moment in time. The first one has been confirmed for the forearm smash to Rob Evans when Dan Cole went over the line but was held up. Now, for that, he could be looking two to four weeks for the uh, what's been
2: described as a racial slur against Samson Lee. Yeah. Now, obviously, racial things aren't funny. Tim would be very, very angry now. Um, it seems a little... It just seems like some back and forth. and It almost feels like he said a few things and then instantly regretted it. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, the it, it first
3: half, when Samson Lee was walking over to a scrum and he said, uh, ''Hey, come over here,
2: gypsy boy.'' <laughs> which was sorry I'm not laughing Uh, (laughs) I am not laughing which was picked up on Joubert's mic now that's that's the unlucky no it's not unlucky is it because there's microphones everywhere yeah yeah it's not it's not unlucky it's It's stupid stupid. it is so stupid it is grade A
3: stupid and just for just for stupidity he deserves a ban Um, and and to make a bit of an example this should not be tolerated on the rugby field no
2: I tend to I I tend to agree here Um, yeah just don't do it just don't just don't do it I mean I would be I'd have been banned for about I, six uh, six years of my entire career, but 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 by now, uh, <laughs> not keeping up to date with the latest whatever it is. But this is just uh, this is uh, absolutely stupid. And he had all sorts of other insults: um, small face, ferret boy. You know, yeah. he could go anywhere with it. And he's quite a funny bloke. So just, yeah. I yeah. think the moral of this story is: be more creative with um, be more creative with your insults.
3: Yes, yes, definitely.
2: Uh, but so so that he's not officially been cited for
3: the. Um, for the racist comment or racial comment, yeah, for the gypsy comment, um, they're going to wait for the hearing of his striking charge and then um, process
2: that sighting, it seems. That's weird. So the striking one, uh, to me, is the one which he might get off on, he might get some time for. Yeah. The gypsy boy comment, surely that's cut and dry.
3: Yes. And the, f- for me... The two, the two are completely uh, independent events. They shouldn't one if they're waiting to see whether he's banned for the strike, to use that to determine the ban for, for the other comment. Then they shouldn't. They should be judged independently and
2: fairly on their own merits. Oh yeah, I never even thought of that. Yeah, they, it shouldn't be. So you yeah. So basically, if he gets cited for the forum smash and gets a fine uh, and gets his ban. Um, the racist comment, if it you want to call it racist, will just be um, you know the uh, uh, the icing on the cake. Well, it's it seems to me that they're going to use one to determine the other, which doesn't seem
3: right. They should be, unless it's repeat offences. So if you punch someone and knock them out, mm-hmm. and then punch someone knocking out again, then it's kind of repetition. You're not learning. Whereas these are, are two completely independent, completely different offences, so they shouldn't be judged. They should be judged that as exactly that. Well, but, but we'll wait and see for the for the actual outcomes of both
2: both hearings, if there are indeed two hearings. Yeah, and I mean, a, um, a couple more weeks on top of a couple of weeks ban for Maula would really top it off for England. <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, from topping something off to a man that loves his topping, Samson <laughs> Lee. Uh, do you mean Thomas Francis? Oh yes, Thomas <laughs> Francis, a man that
3: re- really really likes some topping, really. <laughs> Be careful what you say about uh, Samson Lee. <laughs> oh God! Oh God,
2: a um, uh, protected species. <laughs> um, um,
3: yeah, Thomas Francis has now received his ban. Oh, okay. So what's he got? So he has been reckless, uh, recklessly made contact with the eyes of Dan Cole, and is received an eight-week ban. Wow! So Eight the, weeks. So, so the minimum, the minimum sanction for making contact with the eyes is a twelve-week ban, but
2: because of. Uh, some mitigating circumstances, and Well like his fingers been too, been too fat to get well, in. It's it's like getting some eyes.
3: It's it's very comfortable. You can't. It's not like he's jabbing Liam Williams' pointy fingers into someone's eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a
2: padded cushion, isn't it? <laughs> exactly like Liam Williams' horrible witch fingers everywhere. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still absolutely aghast that the TMO couldn't work out which of the three players' hands it might be. <laughs> he's got like. Cheesecake underneath his nails, and you know, <laughs> bit of tomato sauce Like, no, inconclusive. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, at least still keeping shape in on, his eight, on his on his on his eight week ban.
3: Yes, it does mean that um, he won't be free to play again until the ninth of May. So, will be unavailable for Exeter in there, or
2: for the majority of their important important running for the Premiership season. Yeah, that's a very very good point. So, what do we make of the rest of Six Nations? And let's go with Scotland France. Ah, oh, this was a great game. This was a really good game. And uh,
3: seven minutes in, I thought I would, was completely wrong to say Scotland because not only had they conceded a superb try from France in the in the first uh, two, three minutes, where Girardot went over after a fluid move, they had also lost Finn Russell. And we spoke about how important Finn Russell is in controlling the game. Yep. So I thought, well, that's it. It's one-way traffic. That's exactly what I would have thought. But um, Peter Horn came in and played absolutely superbly at fly half.
2: Wow! So he's kind of a, a ten fly half. But he—I have seen him play ten before, and I've not been overly impressed. No. And what what he did, he was attacking the gain line
3: and then distributing, which was a really good way of playing. And it, it was fixing fixing the French defence, um, and finding room for him and the men outside him. And. So that that was hugely important. Mm-hmm. Then the Scottish pack got parity, which we hoped they would do, yeah. and were even winning penalties at, at scrum time. Laidlaw was kicking very well, um, and the boys uh, outside of of Horn were doing a tremendous job. Hogg in particular was absolutely superb. Some of his some of his
2: running and some of his um, distributing offloads in the tackle was superb. Um, I wonder where this leaves France, actually, because a year ago you oof. would have thought they were building relatively nicely. Uh, before the World Cup, I thought they looked kind of strong. They were huge, huge pack. Yeah, huge pack. But they were up and down before the World Cup. I feel they'd, every
3: time they'd have a good game, they'd immediately have two or three bad ones. Um,
2: I just don't know with France. Um, I will say this: I mean, I didn't really know much about Gerardo whatsoever. But the more uh, he plays, the more impressive he 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 becomes he, he's the one player who's come out with this tournament with some real real credit when well, you think about it, when was the last time France had a proper leader who could they could all just gather around you might say Dussoutor to be fair yes Dussoutor but Duc-sout-tour not going forward this guy goes forward he defends oh, well good in the set piece yeah uh, the French Dylan Hartley but with the skills of Jamie George yes a good combination of the two which is quite some combination it, it is a hell of a combination actually isn't it Uh why don't you listen to um, me watching England-Wales just before we go on and talk a bit more about that game? Okay, that sounds interesting, Jay. So uh, <laughs> I have got a collection of audio clips given to us by Tim. And actually, now would be a good time to mention exactly why Tim isn't here. Tim was meant to join us to, uh, join us this evening, but he had work with Man City, because that's just how the other half live. <laughs> and then straight after that... Now, and he said it's right. He's going to Bath to have an interview with Matt Banahan. Uh,
3: yes. I think he's interviewing Matt Banahan rather than the other way around, I, I assume. Oh, Matt
2: Banahan's not interviewing not team, Tim Cocker. Not. not not this week. That might be next week. For Radio Insider magazine or you know, <laughs> whatever publication that would come out in. <laughs> um, yeah, Do so we know t- t- why? I, I have no idea. This just landed at our feet about half an hour ago. Yes, not long
3: before we were recording this. Um, no, we don't know the. We personally don't know the full details. It, it's something to do with BT Sport on Friday night. So, uh, if you're watching Bath game on Friday night, look out
2: for that. Yeah. So he sent me some audio clips. I know what three of them are. We'll be hearing from Hugh Vivian. We'll be hearing from Luke Narroway, and we'll be hearing from Tom Court. But this one um, has just said. JB during Wales so I don't I don't remember this Ah I do remember this this was with those wonderful
3: wonderful Bayon boys in Hoboken Yes it was let's
2: fire this up and
3: see what happens then
4: See, We've come over to New Jersey we're in Mulligan's pub with the Bayon Bombers rugby team I am loving this Phil it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous.
3: Uh, I can't believe the game is going how it's going, but I'm delighted that it is going
4: how it's going. <laughs> There's only one person I want to hear from at this point with 50 minutes on the clock. Wales still
2: zero on the scoreboard. JB, what are you saying? Is, sorry. I was gonna say I didn't realize you had a microphone in my face. <laughs> uh, it's tough. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what to say. I'm looking watching the game, get out of my face. <laughs> What a horrible ambush. It was a horrible ambush by a horrible man. How dare you? <laughs> um <laughs> uh, yeah, that it was... Was, uh, Tim
3: Tim was um a uh, little bit insufferable when England he was really trying to wind you up when England were doing so so well. Oh I I,
2: I was a little bit more mag- magnanimous and didn't expect it to all be but that good the whole way through the game. I, all that happened is I was proved exactly right about how the, how the game would pan out. And there we go. Although, what Tim will say, and he might have a point here, is Wales might have the players to play the offloading game, which he so likes to talk about. Yes, yes. I mean, we've got very limited game tape of them actually doing it, but um,
3: when they've been put under pressure, so I was trying to think of when they've actually done it, against, um, on the final day of the Six Nations last year, admittedly they were playing Italy, but they knew they needed to score 30 or 40 points, Mm. uh, or win by 30 or 40 points, and
2: they did. And that set the tone for the whole day. So they, they can do it. I mean, it is different playing against Italy. Yeah, well, let's not dwell on this. And we won't dwell on that because Tim's not here to put, put forward his point of view. Okay. And I'm sure he has a very strong point of view regarding this. I would just say, I thought Wales opened up once they'd squeezed the game. And I wonder if they could do it against 15 guys. That's it, the only that, thing. That's an interesting question. They started to um, with 15
3: minutes to go because they had to. But it was only really when Dan Cole... Danko went off
2: that they scored the those um those second two tries and really put the pressure on, yeah, well, me and Tim can disagree on this next week. um give me your views on the island Italy game, and is there anything from this that we need to be knowledgeable about um well we we didn't watch this live unfortunately because it was half seven in the morning in New York. Yeah, and so
3: we'd had a few beers the night before. Yeah, so
2: um, apologies to Premium Force and all the Fez boys. We were meant to be with you, but yeah, we, we made a judgment at, 12, uh, at one in the morning that we'd rather stay out till three in the morning rather than wake <laughs> up at seven in the morning. Uh, so apologies, we're just bad people.
3: Yes. The game? The game, huge win for Ireland. Uh, nine tries, which I, th- I believe is their Six Nations record. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, really?
2: really? I can't <laughs> even do it. My voice doesn't go that high at the moment.
3: <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm amazed at that. Yeah, yeah. Nine tries, and they were they were pretty dominant right across the board. Their set piece was good. Some of their backs play was absolutely super, absolutely sensational. Uh, some of the offloading... I mean, the, the first he-slip try in particular was a hell of a team try, if you've seen that one yet, on any of the highlight reels. No, I haven't. It was... 60-70 uh, yards went through at least half a dozen mm. pairs of hands oh
2: right okay that almost sounded like lip scored a try from 60-70 yards no and he went through 6 or 7 I, was, I thought you were going to say players you said pairs of hands no right, I would okay. like to see that tra- that try <laughs>
3: yeah would <laughs> I uh, no it was he finished it off but it was a superbly worked try but mm. I don't think we learn a huge amount about this game other than, um, well, you can say that Ireland do have a, an alternative way of playing. They can, they, they, demonstrate that they can play that free-flowing game of rugby. Yep. And Italy are a bit weaker. Um, I, I mean, they've got some injuries, they lost some people during the game, but they are a bit weaker than we were perhaps expecting
2: after the first game when they run France so close and arguably should have beaten France. OK, well, before we go into our Six Nations predictions then, you previously heard me holding court... Why don't we skip over to a man that should be judge, jury and executioner in all situations, Mr Tom Court. Very good, JB. So this was Tom Court outside the Citizen Watch store in, where were we? Times Square. Times Square. This was a legitimate event. This isn't us seeing Tom Court flagging him down, uh, harassing him for interviews. This uh, This was actually set up. Yes. So let's go over and listen to what Mr Tom Court has to say.
4: This is Rugby Podcast in Times Square at the moment. I'm Tim. There's JB. This is nice, isn't it? It's Phil. Hi Tim. And Tom Court, London Irish, British and Irish Lion, former Ulsterman, which Phil's a big fan of. Uh, Tom Court. Hey
5: guys, how you going?
4: Very well. Right, we've got a little game for you, uh, Tom Court. The courthouse. You get to be the judge and jury on some uh, rugby-based scenarios. Firstly, backs wearing scrum hats.
5: Yeah, I I think they're more worried about breaking a nail usually, so it doesn't really worry me. Should
3: they be allowed? Should they be allowed to wear it? Yes. Yes or no?
4: No. The court has spoken. Uh, Front row players in coloured boots? Definitely not. Never,
5: never, never, never. Have you never been tempted? Unfortunately, my style of play doesn't really, uh, you know, lend itself to coloured boots.
4: Nick Rouse, um, who I know quite well, is next to you. He's second row. He wears white boots. I still think that's unacceptable.
5: Yeah, it probably is, but um, you know what? He's, he's one of the high flyers, so he can probably get away
2: with it. He's built his game around Flair, so.
4: All right, we've we got a little uh, game for you, because we were trying to work this out. How many Irish players actually play for London Irish? So we've, we think we know five. So you've got 10 seconds to try and rattle them off.
5: Myself, Alan Griffin, Connor Gilson, and Alan Griffin.
4: <laughs>
5: oh, sorry, I meant Alan Sheriff. Yes, um, One more. One more. One more.
4: Joined
5: us. Oh, sorry, Tom Farrell.
4: Well, that's technically Jerry Sexton as well at the moment. Well,
5: Jerry Sexton as well. Jerry Cairn, his name is. He loves being called Jerry Cairn. <laughs> now, Tom,
2: imagine that I'm just a normal American guy hanging around on the streets, and I want to know about scrummaging. Explain to me scrummaging.
4: We're just getting you primed and ready to speak to the masses, as, as you will be. Um, so you've got 16, hairy, overweight,
5: sweaty... Um, Testosterone-driven men that are having a bit of a, can I say, cock off, <laughs> <laughs> where you get the biggest, heaviest, fattest guys in the front row trying to outmaneuver each other, out cheat each other, um, and get the upper hand. I think they should get rid of all the rest of the stuff and just have scrums.
2: <laughs> well said, Tom Cor.
5: Um, and we can just go from scrum to scrum to scrum and once you win a penalty at a scrum you kick to the sideline you have another scrum and then you can try and get pushover tries or, or kick penalties from penalties from scrums
2: uh, it just annoys me to see because I, I i think pe- people like tim they're into kind of this diet of sh- processed sugar sweets nice things without appreciating the delicacy which is a scrum you, you described a scrum
4: as uh, a, a, the, the a delicacy. A
2: delicacy like a like truffle like-, like a truffle
5: that's a beautiful explanation. I mean, real, realistically, rugby has so many idiosyncrasies and beautiful components that if you get rid of it, it wouldn't be rugby, so...
4: Yes. Absolutely right. Tom Court, thank you very much for joining us on the Egg Chasers podcast.
5: Thank you very much, guys.
2: Tom Court there, and a man very much after my own heart. It was, it was interesting, uh as,
3: with hindsight, quite funny, that... When you asked the question about scrimmaging, saying uh, explain it to a standard Ameri- uh, just a normal American, and Tim said, "Oh, this would be practice for you doing this kind of thing later with the press." A couple of hours after that, we went to the Irish consulate where there was a Q and A, oh yeah, s- a Q and A session with the London Irish boys, and he got eg- asked exactly the same question. And gave a very similar response, slightly more refined
2: response. So uh, didn't use the word cock off, which yeah. is great. <laughs> so he neatened it up a little bit after practicing with us. Well, of course, cock off is a very good place to go next because how do you see England, England versus France for the Grand Slam? Um, it's it's
3: a good place to go next. I thought you were going to go into that uh, that story of the player. Hand-
2: oh, the what, player, how did I miss that? Player literally having his cock ripped off. Uh, now. Do you know that is to, that to be true? Has his cock he, come off? It's not come off. He had to have eleven stitches. Oh, it's fine.
1: <laughs> it's
2: a mere flesh I mean, wound. I mean, that's probably that's
3: probably like a very small proportion for you, but that would be that would be some serious <laughs> trauma for me. Oh wow, wow! Oh, how did it happen? Do we know a tackle? Yeah, there's actually an image of the tackle. Uh, I don't want
2: to see that ever. There's, there's there's no blood on the image, but you oh, can see no
3: more. there's no none of that. Apparently, he didn't realise until half time.
2: But well, who would have thought Alison Pollock was right after all this time? Exactly. I am 100. Uh, sign me up now. Ban, ban the tackle, please. Which is weird, actually, because you'd assume that her major goal was to emasculate all men. So, how how ironic that it, it was a tackle that achieved her overall goal. <laughs> uh, so, there we go. Um, France England predictions. Very good. Very good. Um, I think England are going to win fairly comfortably. I do as well. I don't even think this is going to be close.
3: Now, there are question marks of, over who's going to be playing in the front row for England. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Marla, um probably won't be. Um, Hartley is apparently a doubt as well, because they've brought Tom Taylor into the squad. Wow.
2: Tim will, Tim will be happy. Tim will be delighted with that.
3: But I it means that you're going to have potentially Luke Cowan-Dickey and Tom Taylor as the first, or well, well, the the remaining hookers. Uh, That's pretty limited. I mean... <laughs>
2: uh, obviously.
3: Standard. Um, I, it's almost to a point where you say, well, what would Tom Youngs have to do to get back in? But I think he might actually be injured at the moment, so... Oh, yeah.
2: Well, Jamie George is injured too. Yeah, Jamie George is obviously injured. What a disaster. So... That could be that could be a huge blow. This last... this could be the process of Eddie Jones turning from, you know, Gatland, a turbo Gatland, yeah, into basically just another Lancaster.
3: Well, that's a very good point. And a friend of ours, friend of the podcast, made the point that um, Eddie Jones has not actually done anything more than Stuart Lancaster uh, for the last four years thus far, because he's won four games in the Six Nations and Lancaster won four games for four years in a row but every time finished second. But the the tournament before Lancaster was in and the tournament after Lancaster was in, four games would win the tournament. So if England did lose this, then it would be a bit of a deflation. The, the, they have to win it. I think they have oh, they to have have win it. They
2: have to, 100%. It. 100%. Who, who do they have in the summer tour? Do you know? Uh,
3: I don't actually. Wales go to New Zealand, don't they? yes. Um, so I'm, that'll go well. By the power of deduction, I'm guessing it's either South Africa or Australia. I'm going to say Australia.
2: Uh, okay, that's going to be much tougher than it was, say, a year ago. But, you know, Eddie Jones finishes with a Grand Slam. He gets a couple of wins under his belt uh, down under. And that's a big if. Um, yeah. He's off to one hell of a start. Yes. Yeah. One hell of a start.
3: Definitely. So I do see it. um I do see it being an England win, or England's to lose, let's say, just because uh, France in general have been so disappointing. But we did see some glimpses of France playing the way that we know they can play. They scored a couple of s- superb tries, um, playing the offloading support support game. So if they can get their act together, they get the baseline, and they start playing a bit more like the, they showed the glimpses of against yeah. Scotland, then there could, be, there could be a bit of an upset. Um, And how do you see Wales-Italy going? Uh, Very much one-way traffic, despite the, well, Samson Lee ban's not going to make any difference. No, no I don't think it is. Losing your captain. um, Samson Lee ban? What,
2: he's he's been banned? Why? Tom Francis. Sorry, the Tom Francis, God, we're getting those two confused, aren't we? Oh, goodness (laughs) me, there could be a a case to answer there. (laughs)
3: Um, But also losing your captain in Warburton. Who's out? Uh, Gatland said today that he's not going to push him through concussion protocols. No point. No, which is no point. Yeah, uh, you know. Even I if we, mean, even if we lose, to it doesn't matter. Now. I don't even like that language. Pushing him through pro-
2: concussion protocols. They've even
3: thought of that. Surely, yeah. You want to do the concussion? We're, protocols, yeah, we're not even. Gonna,
2: gonna, yeah, we're not even going to fudge the concussion protocols for <laughs> this. It's not. It. Not this time.
3: I mean, George <laughs> North last last year against England, we let him let him get away with it twice.
2: Ooh, and look yeah. what happened there. Uh, and lastly, the most competitive match of the entire weekend, Scotland-Ireland. And, and will this be the match which proves you right? Uh, well, for Scotland winning three games, yep. um,
3: I think it's. I think it'll be very close. I think Ireland just have the edge at home, uh, and they will be on a high after, after this weekend's performance. Which
2: team feels better at the moment? Which camp would you rather
3: be in? Scotland or Ireland? That's a good question. So Scotland are doing better than the... Have done the last couple of years. Um, it was I think it was their first win, first home win in the Six Nations in eight attempts, um, including obviously playing Italy at home, which they lost when we were, uh, which we watched. So they they're on the up. Ireland they've had one good performance, but the rest of their Six Nations compared to last last season or the last two seasons has been pretty poor.
2: So I'd say Scotland will have a, a slightly better feel at the moment. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think momentum's with Scotland. They lost their, they lost their games early, uh, whereas Ireland have been sort of inconsistent. They lost to England. They had a disappointing draw against Wales, uh, and they only came off the back of Italy, which they would have expected to win. Maybe yes. the manner of the victory is yeah. helping a little bit. Uh, this should be a really good game. This that will
3: be five o'clock. That will be the best game on on the Saturday.
2: Will Phil, agreed. Moving on, if this is your first time listening to us, thank you very much for joining us. You can find us on Twitter, at Rugby Podcast, very much recommend to follow. You can find us on iTunes, where hopefully you will be subscribing. And please, please leave a review, it helps an enormous amount. What's also helped recently is you supporting us by supporting our sponsors. And it makes a real difference to the quality of product that we can put out and the things that we can actually do. Which is why I'm very happy to announce, Phil, we have yet another sponsor. Do we? We most certainly do. And this one is wine. Oh, tell me more, JB. <laughs> Happily, Phil. Uh, just go to www.nakedwines.com forward slash egg Egg chasers with an S, of course, not egg chaser. Uh, this will land you £30 off a minimum spend of £60. And interestingly, have you ever heard of na- Naked Wines? Uh, I have I've heard of them, but tell me a little bit more about them, Jay. Well, set up by a lady called Katie Jones from from Lancashire, no less, now based in the south of France, making extremely good, good wine. So, on the weekend, not only will England be better at France at rugby, but also at making wine. It's a perfect way to stick it to the French. Win win. Win, win. Next, all we need is um, is Argentine wine. No, Falkland wine. <laughs> Falkland wine. So that's <laughs> www.nakedwine.com dot uh, sorry dot dot com forward slash chasers. Go there. Support the support the pod. Remember, running this dungeon isn't cheap. I I always need new shackles, new stretching machines. <laughs> you know, maintenance is it, is now very very costly licensing for this machinery <laughs> you can't just buy shackles now <laughs> so anyway thank you very much and hopefully we will see you there okay phil let's talk about the premiership just gone okay so obviously there was the game that we
3: attended over in new jersey yep anything else you want to add to that i can't even
2: remember what we spoke about on- yeah constantly. actually i would like to add to that i can i think i could add quite a lot of details that because it's not often that we get to see a live game yeah, uh, in the flesh, we watch it all the time on TV. But of course, watching it live gives you the extra perspective, and also our vantage point was brilliant, which was elevated at the halfway line. Yeah, yeah. It was. If you're going to pick the whole stadium where you want to stand, we would be, we would be where we we ended up. So first thing about Saracens, Saracens played like Saracens do, uh, and it, it was just heart, heartbreak for heartbreak for Irish in the end. The guy that impressed me was Jackson Ray. I've never seen him play in the flash and plushcare.com slash weight loss He's a lot more dynamic in person than he ever does on TV.
3: That's interesting you say because I wasn't especially impressed by Jackson Ray. I thought he was okay but his his kind of carrying ability it was nowhere near that of some of the other number eights in the league.
2: Like a Billy Vanapola?
3: Like Billy like Nathan Hughes like that um, the Japanese lad that Bath have just brought in or Leroy Houston or even someone like Nick Easter like he's not got that the size as any of those boys no
2: he doesn't have the size but I think he has quite nice feet he's quite, he a, does. quite a nice run of the ball yes I never appreciated that he does he has got nice feet I, I think more of, a, more
3: of a six perhaps long term
2: yeah per, perhaps you're right and from an Irish point of view you got to say it they're a good team who played badly
3: well they played some nice rugby at lovely times. rugby they played some, some good running rugby some good offloading um, the Lewington disallowed try um in the first half, um, and his eventual try was superb, um, but they couldn't close out the game. Yeah, that's exactly And it, it. ran away from them, and they and got this lead, and then it just got eroded by silly penalties, and Saracens squeezed them.
2: Yeah, and it feels like that's exactly what happened. Saracens are a good team that know how to win, but yeah. Fortunate Irish are a good team that can only lose. And that's yeah. why these teams lose. You know, it's just the. It's almost like these habits.
3: Yes, it did feel habitual because you you
2: look at the you look at some of the stats and some of them are in heavily in Irish's favour. I did. Do you know where I think they really struggled? They struggle out wide. They've got a lot of talent out wide. I think probably most talented man on the entire field was Sean Maitland. Oh, he's he's certainly up there. Uh, but he just couldn't get loose. I felt that some of his decisions when not to pass and when to run, almost yeah. like he's too talented or not trustworthy enough to give that final ball. And a couple of times, I thought you're just so close to putting Saracens to bed, but just couldn't get couldn't get o- over the line enough.
3: Yeah, it was almost because the offloading game worked early on for Irish. They continued with it, mm. and Saracens didn't give them the, the time and space, and kind of closed it down a bit more. And if the the longer the game went on, the fewer offloads went to hand, and the more it gave the advantage back to Saracens.
2: Oh, I completely agree. And Saracens, are at their best, are very much. Um, Observe, adjust, destroy, and that's yeah. kind of what happened here.
3: But if just looking at some of the the statistics, so Irish had 61% possession and territory. They had 160 runs compared to 104 of Saracens. They only made 120 tackles compared to 200 of Saracens. They only missed 13 compared to 30 of Saracens. They made 12 line breaks compared to four. So all those stats oh. are like heavily. In Irish's favour
2: oh it's a it's a big Irish win then it's a beat it should be a beat down yep no not when you're playing Saracens and not when you're performing oh I, I tell you the other thing which I found very interesting I'm pretty sure though um there was a uh there was a guy on the Saracens um touchline the guy that looks like Prince <laughs> Alex Anderson that's the one uh <laughs> getting very animated with the fourth fish on someone someone from Irish Oh really? Yeah. So that that was quite exciting, but I couldn't quite work out what was going on. No.
3: I oh, saw so you getting excited with no information.
2: <laughs> oh no, no there was no de- no no, like there's a little bit of like pushing and pointing and Ooh. and you know, so one of the other Saracens <laughs> boys came had to pull him away. God. I didn't know what it was all about. That's that's a bit strange. Yeah, yeah. It it,
3: it was good to watch. Possibly the most heartbreaking thing was the kind of charge-down kick try with two minutes to go. Yeah, that was, oh, that was horrible. Which, which takes it uh, takes a losing bonus point away from Irish and take, took any chance of them actually winning the game away from them as well. Yeah, that
2: really was awful, actually. Yeah. Um, so do you think Irish have got that sinking feeling? They can take a lot of positives out of that, but I'm not sure if they will
3: simply because they didn't get a single league point out of it. If they'd have even come away with a losing bonus point and it had finished 16-19 uh, where it was with two minutes to go. Mm. I think they would; it could be a bit of a, a springboard.
2: As it is, they'd just be so deflated after that. Yeah, well, from one club that needed a, needed a springboard, straight into the Bath game, what happened here? <laughs> um, this was a beatdown. The scoreline does
3: not suggest... So, picked up the scoreline on the Saturday morning. Uh, Hallequin's 35, Bath 28 because obviously we didn't watch the game live, mm-hmm. um, and you assume it's going to be a close bit of an arm wrestle uh, with some e- expansive rugby thrown in there, this was an absolute beatdown. So uh. so th- first half an hour was close, um, besides a Harry Sloan intercept, or oh, well, sorry, it was a Nick Easter intercept. Uh, he offloaded to Harry Sloan with three minutes on the clock. Um, and after that, there was a couple of exchange penalties. But after 35 minutes, it was... Uh, six, six three, uh, sorry, eight three, and then there was a um, a yellow card for Bath, mm-hmm. and Quinn scored uh, thir- uh thirty unanswered points
2: or twenty eight unanswered points. Do you know what I thought of- that Quinn's would win this, and the score kind of I I would I would go with something like that because I thought this would work out very much like the game that we went to see during the World Cup, where we went to see uh, Bath Harlequins. And it, it kind of just looks um, looks like it did. Uh, Bath are just... the tum- standard of rugby, more, more importantly, uh, is just in free fall. Uh, and Harlequins are very good going forward. But even even though Harlequins have done some good things this year, they're notoriously poor without their internationals. Yes. Notoriously poor. Yes, uh, they are. So I think it's a really, really disappointing and bitter loss for Bath.
3: Yeah. Now they did they made the scoreline more respectable in the last ten minutes when uh, Harlequins ultimately had two men sent to the bin in the last ten minutes.
2: Ah. Um, do we know do we know what for? Uh
3: Yes. It, uh, infring- it, it was technical infringement at the line out and then the rooks. Uh, so uh, nothing nothing untoward. But uh, I think some of that was borne out by some pressure for Bath, but uh at that stage well with, with ten minutes to go, Bath were losing by
2: Thirty points, and they managed to they managed to claw it back. It's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. And uh, as soon as Stuart Hooper is director of rugby, um, <laughs> which looks inevitable now, uh, the better for everyone. Uh, just just two players who played very well for Quinns in that. Yeah, uh, made
3: both of them made more than 100 meters with ball in hand. Oh, who played ten for Quinns? Botica. Oh, he's back, is he? Botica played okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, two two players who played really well. Chisholm. Ross Chisholm and Charlie Walker, full-back and wing. Yeah, good Both have made more than 100 metres with ball in hand. Very lively players, actually. Yeah. Charlie Walker scored two superb tries, and Ross Chisholm made a, a quite incredible try-saving Does it feel
2: to you like Harlequin's got lots of that sort of player? Uh, quick, 7z type players. Um, the two you've mentioned, Lin- uh, Lindsay Haig. Yeah. Um, Yard, Visser. Yeah, exactly. Uh, v- Visser,
3: Visser a bit like...
2: Yeah, low. Uh, uh, well, to be fair, I mean, Visser care. is the... Complete package, but yeah, all the yeah. others are kind of steppy, quick sort of bucks. Yeah. When they get it right, they look dynamite. Yes. Uh, and the matches of interest. Let's talk. Let's talk tigers. Uh, tigers was a good game. It was a good game. Good win for wasps. Tigers probably disappointed not
3: to get a, a bonus point out of it. They had a lot of pressure in the last ten minutes, but Wasps uh looked absolutely sensational. They scored two Wh- superb tries. Which one? <laughs> the one who's. Shortly off to Ulster. Oh. Will his brother go to Ulster too? Uh, I don't know. Because they're all I, using him. He he's playing really well. He's playing, yeah. he set up he set up Charles Pietau for a superb try. His defence was superb. Uh, he's playing really well because they're playing him as um center, they're playing as, both in the centre,
2: yeah, twelve thirteen at the moment. See, what my strategy would be here is to offer Pietel the younger or the lesser, because I don't know if he is younger. Uh the younger one's the one going to Ulster. The older one is the one the inside centre right okay so Pietel the lesser yeah that's a better way uh, to say it an enormous contract with the caveat caveat that your brother stays yes so you can spread the wealth you know maybe two more key players because they're both good players and what do you reckon Charles Pietal is worth to a team Uh, 400,000 it can't be that far off that it's got to be 300k plus it has to be it absolutely has to be I think he might be one of the best players in in, um, in the premiership this year and It's his all round game as well. He is
3: sensational, everything. He's intelligent. He's got great hands. He's very strong, like deceptively strong. His first try this weekend was superb. Um, From a strength point of view, driving two men over the line. Um, Yeah, his feet are good. His hands are good. Yeah, absolutely. You can play 11, 13,
2: 14, 15. So this actually looks to me like a classic Wasps win. Tries from uh, Wade, from Piatel, from Frank Halai. Yes, uh, from Nathan Hughes as well. And, Could not be more waspy. And uh, I've not actually
3: seen it, but I think it was a, either a click intercept or a, a pass intercept. Yeah, So when from, I say. From, from, w- from
2: Christian Wade to Peter Beetham, yeah. who scored. When I say waspy, that's ironic because I don't mean white ang- uh, white Anglo Saxon Protestants. Is that a wasp? Yeah, that's waspy. That's, <laughs> like,
3: that's like a social category. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Be careful with your social category, we don't want to Joe more
2: yeah. gypsy comment again. Exactly. Uh, OK, any other games of notes? Why don't you fire, uh, fire through the rest of them? Well, Exeter struggled to beat Newcastle, it was very close until ten fifteen minutes to go. I think everyone's going to struggle to beat Newcastle now towards the end of the season. I don't think that Newcastle are going to win many, but I yeah. think they're going to be putting in consistently good performances. Northampton beat sale as expected, although sale took an early lead yeah, we were following this on on Twitter and it did seem very promising for sale up until the end of the first half.
3: yeah, it was it they scored an early try a couple of early penalties um and it was only just a half time in the second half. Why
2: don't you read me the names of the scorers for sale
3: uh well Evans scored a try okay, which checks out which Danny Cipriani attempted to convert. But failed. Checks out again. Daddy Cipriani then had a penalty which was successful. Okay. Then he had a penalty which he failed to convert again. And then kicking duties appeared to be passed over to Tom Arsker. Why? I've never seen him kick in my life. I haven't, but if Sippers is that poor, I mean, he,
2: he's been running at like a 30% average. He got one from three on, on Saturday. I mean, why, why not give someone else a go? Yeah, well, I haven't seen actually where these kicks have been. Taken from because they might be difficult, but a thirty percent average is truly woeful. I mean, yeah, that is yeah. like they can't—they can't all be on the touchline. Yeah, that is what you'd expect from like level five rugby. I mean, maybe even worse. Yeah, it yeah. really is terrible. It's a closed skill. You need to be up there at ni- eighty to ninety percent consistently. Yeah, and we said earlier in the season one of the big problems
3: for for Worcester was having Heathcote, who was running at like sixty percent, and sixty percent is
2: twice as good as Danny Cipriani at the moment. Yeah, I would be really disappointed if Danny Cipriani finishes this season a little bit flat and a little bit like, well, I'm off to Wasps. I'd be very disappointed, actually. Yeah, I would. Because that is, if he's got intentions
3: of playing for England, which we know he does have, that is not the kind of person you want playing for England.
2: Absolutely not. Um, Worcester got a very good win against Gloucester. That is an incredible result. Yeah. Because this is Gloucester's year, right? Uh, no, no, the no. Next year, sorry, next, next year, year, next year's. Next are year. getting, yeah. getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, of course you're. Uh, they were on a great run of form, and they've come and stuck to Worcester.
3: Yes, who
2: are proving themselves to be quite the team. They, they might be the best ever promoted team. Uh, they're doing very well. Uh, in, in fact, Ex- Exeter, Exeter have got to be up there. It'd be interesting. It did take a few seasons for X to to get to the point that they are at now. Oh, absolutely! But in their first season, yeah, very impressive. In fact, maybe you should run some numbers there because I I would not be surprised if if they are the best promoted team. Well, we can have a look at the end of the season.
3: We can actually crunch those numbers because don't forget, Worcester did have a period just before, just in the run up to Christmas, where they they lost a load. They lost uh, seven or eight games on the bounce, and it's only the last three, four that where they've it's really since they had. Uh,
2: who guard? Who had? Mm. Which, since he came in, well, the, the, I mean,
3: really, the fortunes have turned. Believe
2: him three, uh, hear him three years ago. Believe him now. <laughs> Tim called this, and Dean has an excellent job of developing um, uh, uh, other people's academies. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I think that's all of the, the Premiership games this week. Excellent, and thankfully there was no Pro 12. Yes,
3: we didn't have to miss a week of Pro 12. Oh, because we're, thank God, we, we, we were in, to miss uh, it.
2: in New York. Uh, and Premiership games for this week, Phil. Okay, so Friday
3: night, uh, which we're still trying to work it out, but we think Tim will either be at the game or at least have recorded something with Matt Matt Bannahan, which will be shown at the game. But Bath
2: host Newcastle. Okay, uh, now Tim is recording something at the game. Now you've just reminded me. Uh, this is where I've scheduled a, a quick word with Hugh Vivian. Oh yes, how could we we how could we forget that? That was superb. This actually might be my favourite of all the interviews. What a thoroughly nice chap. Uh, Hell of a chap. I think my
3: favourite interview was the unofficial one we did with Sean Maitland.
2: Oh, yeah, that was (laughs) very good.
3: That was slightly different, wasn't it? Oh,
2: I tell you what, uh, I'm not going to tell you what Sean Maitland said because it's off the record. It was strictly off the record. Strictly off the record. But although apparently, if we say it's off the record before we say it, it's still off the record, isn't it? Well, that's what he did to us, so we can do it to everyone else. It makes sense. But Sean Maitland then did q and A Q&A at the consulate, uh, very, very dry, achingly honest, and you know, two seats away from Tom from Tom Coventry. Uh, nothing scandalous. <laughs> just one of those things you think, "Was he meant to say that?" Yeah. So, he, uh, he, he shouldn't have said. <laughs> he should have said some of the stuff he should, he did actually say, but it was very good to watch. Yeah. Uh, so this is Hugh Vivian, who was present again at Times Square in the Citizen Watch store. And this is what he had to say.
4: See, I'm Tim. There's Phil. Hi, Tim. There's JB. Hello, Tim. And JB's come up with an awesome game for our special guest here at in Times Square, outside the Citizen shop. JB.
2: Well, well, I've just spotted Hugh Vivian, so I thought, why not make a segment called Knowing Me, Knowing Hugh? Uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> Welcome, you. Welcome, hello. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so we have got we got five questions for you, Hugh. Um, first, and we'll, we'll we'll take these in turn. But first one, man crush in rugby. Everyone's got a man crush. Man crush in rugby. I'm a Tommy Bowman myself, yeah. Ulster fan, yeah. and a, yeah, huge,
2: huge, yeah. Steve Diamond fan. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and um, historically, it was always. Danny Grucock for me, really? who you will have faced up faced off against many many times.
0: Yeah, I don't think it would be Danny. Uh, no, it was, it was no. just
4: those. those was just a beast.
0: No offense, Danny, he was a beast, scary man. You know, I play with Johnny Wilkinson. You know, I mean, you know, everyone loved Johnny. That's a bit boring, isn't it? it so, uh, does, does it doesn't not? Doesn't are you, any better? Are you speaking from experience? <laughs> 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 All right, next,
3: next question, Phil. Uh, just, just in general, proudest moment in rugby. Proudest moment of rugby was
0: winning the Penryn Sevens with my six other brothers and winning a competition as the Vivian family.
2: That is incredible. So,
0: how how big is the Vivian family? We need to to know more. Eight. Seven boys and one girl. I'm the youngest of eight kids. And, uh, yeah, when I was 16, old enough to play uh, senior rugby, we entered the Sevens competition and won it and then we decided to enter next year we won it again then in the third year we lost in the final so we retired
4: any of the others make a good level
0: uh, one of my brothers played with gorgeous Steve Diamond as you wow. just said so was he Manchester based well he just married a northern lass yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: alright next up JB uh, let's see what do we have here uh, oh yeah favourite beer the Wolfpack Lager. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh,
4: nice on brand. On brand. Yeah, very On
0: good. brand. Helping out my friends Chris Wiles and Alistair Hargroves, Yes.
4: All right. Next question, Hugh. And this this you can, this can be a, a historical reference. At, at your strongest, what was your what was your PBs deadlift, squat, bench?
2: Feel free to
4: embellish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bench press about 135, 140, not very good squatting. You know, I've got little chicken legs, so I'm only about one, probably about 140 as well, actually. So I was probably as strong upper body as well as legs. Deadlift, I never did that because I'm six foot six and I would have snapped my back in half. You know, gym monkeys, I was never a gym monkey.
4: Well Andy Good is the perfect example that is you sc- cannot,
2: skills first. You compare Hugh Vivian to Andy Good. As much as I love Andy Good, you can't do that, it's not fair.
3: Uh, final one. If you were gonna take me out on a date and cook me a meal. What would you cook me?
0: Well, you look a pretty classy guy, so, uh, you know, scrambled eggs and salmon, maybe. Uh,
2: okay. Yeah. So, you obviously expected to stay over. Yeah, this, this is a morning meal. <laughs> this, is,
0: this, is, this is very worried. I might change my uh, mind and go for a good old fashioned Sunday roast.
4: Lovely. Uh, Lovely. Knowing the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast, knowing Hugh. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And that was Hugh Vivian. What a thoroughly affable chap.
3: Yes, I think
2: he was a little
4: bit um,
3: worried and scared about what we were going to say in, initially, and through most of the where we are actually saying. I'm pretty
2: it. worried about the choice of questioning on man crushes <laughs> and late meals, to be fair. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. May, maybe. Um, yeah, what a great spokesman for Saracens. Yeah. He, he does that yeah. job brilliantly, to be fair. Absolutely yeah. brilliantly. Right, okay, well, now we're back on track. Uh, why don't we do our predictions finally? Okay, this is a very good idea, Jay. So,
3: for that first game, Bath-Newcastle. Uh, at Bath. At Bath, Friday night, uh, 7.45 on BT Sports. Bath, but only just. Hmm. Now, watching Newcastle for 60 minutes against Exeter, they really made things difficult for them. Um, but Exeter did ultimately pull away. Mm. But I think Exeter this season are a much, much better team than Bath completely so I think, agreed I think this is going to be very close I think Newcastle have got the potential to win but I think Bath, Bath might just edge it but it will. this will be very close uh, less than five points uh,
2: maybe more than, I think more than five points and Bath win next one ok uh, Saturday 3pm Quinns host Worcester Quinns host Worcester I am going to say this is a Worcester victory Really?
3: Yes. So that Quinns performance was excellent uh, this week. Apart from those
2: last ten minutes when they lost two men to the bin, they were superb. I think one of the biggest problems with Bath is they have no heart. They have no heart, they have no endeavour. They are the opposite to Wales. Um, Worcester have heart in abundance. I think that's going to be enough to, to stop Harlequins, because I think they're fickle. And when they're on top, they're a bit of a flat track bully. But if you stop them, I think they will go backwards quickly, and I think Worc- Worcester can do exactly that.
3: Mm, I I think if it was at Worcester, you could get a result like that, but I think given that it's at Quinns, I expect Quinns to win.
2: Okay, so we are differing on both games so far.
3: Next one. Uh, well, no, we both said Bath, but I said Newcastle have a, a bit more of a Oh, chance. sorry. Of course. Yeah. Uh, next one, Sunday, uh, 1 o'clock, Exeter host Northampton
2: that's a good
3: game that should be a good game Northampton coming back to some real form at the moment Um,
2: Exeter they do lose a few players they do but not not too many do you feel there's just a bit of tiredness in the Exeter squad maybe I feel there might be this grind they have been very impressive yeah but then to grind out a loss against um, against Leicester uh, they feel like they're slowing down yeah I can see that um, having Henry Slade
3: back for them that will be a huge boost because he came off the bench this weekend just gone and you'd expect
2: him to have a, a bit more involvement against Northampton. Uh, give me extra but I don't think it's going to be plain sailing by any stretch. I'm, I'm going to agree, I'm going to agree.
3: Next game 2pm on the Sunday, Wasps host sail Sharks.
2: Ooh, this could be messy.
3: Yeah, Danny Cipriani will at least have to try and impress his future
2: employers. Or will he? Or well, I guess would he just he's already, not show up. I guess he's just already he's already signed the contract. Yeah, exactly. Why would he need to impress anyone? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, this this is uh, like Gopath v Sippers for the shirt next season. Well, yeah. Which shirt though? I mean, I can't see Gopath staying there. I mean, he must be he must be on a big contract though. Yeah. So what on earth are going? I don't know how how that's all going to pan out. Well, the, the best clubs have the two two roughly equal fly halves. Um, Bath don't.
3: Well, I say roughly equal. They've got two with only uh, twenty-plus cap, cap. Saracens do. Leicester have got Freddie Burns and Owen Williams.
2: Yeah, but they're both they're both equally good, in the same way they're both equally poor in terms of <laughs> international experience. Uh, and Northampton brought in JJ Han- Hanrahan. And to, again, they're roughly the same kind of pl- the yeah. same level of player.
3: They're the same, the different players. They're the same same calibre. Same yeah. calibre. So, I think they'd want to try and keep them. I think they'd want to try and keep the two options. Because if you do lose... Well, if you do lose Sippers to internationals, which
2: is not looking likely at the moment... No. ...then you need a grade A backup if you're going to be competing. If Danny Sipriani is happy to go then just take the cash, this will work out well. If it's about England and regular game time, I don't think this will work well at all. Yeah. He may uh, regret not going to Toulon. So I just wonder, will this go... Well, no, I don't wonder. I know it's going to go one of two ways. It's gonna be Wasps um going all out, guns blazing, huge wasps win. And I I think one of the biggest defeats for sale all year. Or sale are gonna do what sale do, and they're gonna grind and grind and grind, I'm and gonna see a very low scoring scoring affair. Out of the two scenarios, Wasps away, give me the high scoring scenario. Me and, too, me too. Yeah. And the only kind of caveat to that I'd say if it's pouring down it'll be a lowest common yeah. denominator if it's if it's hot I think Wasps will it's put about, a big score it's on it's about Wasps scoring early because if Wasps score early Sale needs need to open up and then yeah. WASP will just score more because Wasps are better at sevens than Sale are
3: yes definitely
2: uh, and is that all the games no nope. still got London Irish hosting Gloucester <sighs> you know a win in New York I would say would be enough for them to beat Gloucester I really, w- I really would think that I think Gloucester are going to win this. Yeah. I think that's going to be it, really.
3: Yeah, I think Gloucester will win. They'll right the wrongs from last week. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not it yet, but it is getting closer and closer to the inevitable drop for an Irish, unfortunately. Okay, and have we
2: got any fixtures from the Hobby League? Well, we've got one more on, on the Sunday. Oh, sorry. Go on, who's that? Leicester Tigers, of course. Host Saracens. How did I miss that? That's a good game. Leicester Tigers win. Ooh. Straight off the bat there.
3: Yeah, well, Leicester Tigers lose far fewer players than Saracens this season to internationals. So I'm going to go with the same thing. Saracens weren't particularly impressive. Uh, the, the way they played wasn't particularly impressive. The way they got ground up the result was impressive. Yep.
2: But Leicester are a, a far better team than, than Irish. So give me Leicester at home. Okay. Ho- um, Hobby League, what non-events are happening in the Pro 12? Uh, we have got
3: on Friday night Cardiff Blues host Munster. Don't care. Next now, one. Uh, just with Munster, it's interesting that Foley has re- resigned. Resigned. What? Oh, not resigned. He has resigned. This is the stupid clickbait uh, <laughs> headlines. <laughs> Righty-ho. He has resigned for another year uh however Munster have said they want the, that he is head coach and they want to bring in a director of rugby over the top of him right not that bothered about that next Glasgow host Leinster uh the two teams who lose most internationals will be playing without
2: most of their internationals flip, uh, flip a coin i'm going to say um it's going to be 65 55 to one of them i don't know uh okay
3: it's going to be, okay. a, going, to
2: be going to be a try fest uh I think that's unlikely, but why? I, I no, one, like, no one defends. I'd quite like to watch it. They do defend. Their defence is great. Yeah, but when they've got all their players, there's no players. I, the point I'm trying to make is I don't know what will happen in this game because I know no one who's playing. Okay. Yes. You should just cancel it. Not and <laughs> not only for the Six Nations. Not just postpone it to after yeah. the Six Nations. No, no, cancel it. Just end it now. Uh, which, who, do you th- who do you see winning this? Uh, Glasgow at home. Fine. Next. Uh, that looks like it's it. Well, there's only
3: three fixtures in the Pro as well. There's only two fixtures because they rearranged games that were were previously called off.
2: Oh right. Oh well, that makes it that makes it better. <laughs> you only have to look at two results. Yeah yeah. Uh, right brilliant. So that's a um, that's it that's it from us. Um, it's been a pleasure, JB. It has has been a pleasure. Uh, but before we sign off, no, actually we'll sign off now, and then we'll leave you with our last interview, which is. Me, Phil, and Tim, all interviewing Luke, Luke norway, Oh yes, very good. All very right. Good. Bye, Phil. Bye, JB. My Luke Narroway fact: You dad's
3: a butcher.
6: Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Another <laughs> Is one. That the fact. Is that the fact? Okay. Have you got, have you got a better one for us uh, to beat JB's fact? There you go. Then my dad's a butcher.
2: My mum's a vegetarian. Uh. Boom. <laughs> Learning things about the norway Family straight off the bat
4: jb collects all these ridiculous facts like every time nick kennedy uh, gets brought up mom's an (laughs) author every time you get brought up on the podcast dad's a butcher (laughs) i know (laughs) welcome to welcome to jb's head new york then new york yeah i love new york phil phil you were saying that that you reckon this could actually be just what irish need right now
3: Uh, i'm hoping so yeah in terms of the kind of overall season do you reckon this can be turning point springboard uh, yeah, I honestly I, I share the same
6: belief. Um, I think sometimes, obviously, when the season's not going as well as, as you as you hoped at the start, um, you can get bogged down in a, in a weekly routine. You know, do, doing the same thing all the time, and um, coming away to to New York, and and as I say, just getting away from everything, getting this you know the squad together for the whole week. Um, I think it, it could be a catalyst for our season. So- where have you been training? What facility? Um, yeah, you didn't know that at all, do you? Or? Uh, no, no. no. we have been at the, some pictures. Yeah, we've been at the Jets uh, training facility. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, a loaded question. Um, but, you know, it's yeah, incredible. In, like, best facility I've ever been in, like, by far. And apparently it's eight, nine years old as well. So just different, different Gravy. What's the, what's the
4: biggest dumbbell? Did you see what the biggest dumbbell what they have in the gym? 150 pounds, so I think mean, that's like 65,
6: 70 yeah, kg. It was, it
2: was like, so it's like enough to curl with? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I,
6: You know, quick,
4: quick 10 reps and I was gone. <laughs> that's what
2: team building's all about, isn't it? Yeah.
4: <laughs> Rugby players and coffee shops is like. Like bacon and eggs, isn't it? Um so like you Peas must be carrots. Yeah, yeah exactly. You must be like in your
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone likes, likes to on the parsnips, does not they?
6: Yeah, I went to um Intelligentsia coffee um yesterday. Um so and that, that was incredible. It was actually in the foyer of a, a really cool hotel and very alternative East London esque.
2: If you were to go through the through the London Irish squad now, who is the most hipster? Who most would fit in Intelligentsia coffee? Apart from myself.
6: (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm free of tattoos. I'll probably say Don Wardock, actually. Obviously, he's not here at the minute. But, um, yeah, he's very, you know, really into his photography, art galleries, very East London-esque vibe about him. Well, the least alternative would be Rob McCusker. He's got a lovely Wilden Union shirt that he likes to don, but he does come from North, he does come from north Wales and lives in... Hey, yeah, you know, so, enough of that. Uh, so I'll let him off, I'll let him off.
4: All right, so another part of uh, New York, um, Chelsea and uh, Greenwich Village and all that, who would be the most likely player to have um, a woman with them with a little rat-sized dog in a handbag?
6: Well, I've got a French bulldog, cool so yeah. Uh, 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 but she doesn't. She doesn't go in a handbag. Well, you got to probably point the fingers at Shane. Ge- oh no, Andrew Fenby, actually. Now I come to think of it, <laughs> Andrew Fenby, um, You know, followed closely second by Shane Garrity. I'd say he also fosters dogs and has about sixteen at home. One
4: oh, excellent. One I think
6: he's called the Romanian. There
4: you go. There's another fact for you, Jay. Wow. Add that that's to not your not list. Fosterer. Uh, Luke Narraway, thank you very much for joining us.
6: Cheers, thank you very much.